Hey everybody, my name is Joshua T. Berglund and welcome to the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, no matter wherever you're, wherever you're watching from in the world, <laughs> around the world, thank you for being here. Uh, today you're in for a treat. Um, somebody that I have just recently met but have become incredibly inspired by uh, just watching her post, watching what she's all about. And then getting to read a little bit about what she's about, it it hit me right in the heart. Um, and so this is, I, I, I believe that not only will this be inspiring, but it's going to be heartfelt. Uh, you guys are in for an absolute treat today. Uh, the, just so you know, you can find the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network by downloading uh, on Roku or Amazon Fire, the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Uh, but you can also find us, as some of you have already downloaded the E360 app, we're there too. You can find our network on that app, so just download on your smart TVs. And of course, the social media audience, thank you so much for being here. Um, always grateful for you because this is where we started with social media. And uh, the Lord has blessed us with our own network, and uh, it's been absolutely incredible. So we thank you for your support and for everyone that's helped make that possible. Uh, speaking of that, really quick, um, this video is a little bit crazy. Actually, before I get into that, I want to start that over. So this one doesn't fit the screen, but I want to show you something. Instead, I typically do live reads going over all of the sponsors. But now uh, QR codes are becoming a thing. And look, I'm not trying to usher anybody into the mark of the beast or anything like that. But QR codes are pretty handy. And the fact is this, we have a lot of people that support um, our broadcast and our network, and we wanted to simplify it. Um, so I typically, I'm not going to go into this uh, <laughs> dissertation every single time. I'm just going to play the video, but I want to explain what this is. So we're doing something a little bit different, and check this out. And that's how you do a commercial uh, for five products in like 15 seconds. Anyway, uh, just scan the QR code. Uh, if you rewatch the video, I'm not going to play it again, but you can scan the QR code and it's going to take you to our website that has every one of our sponsors and people that support our network and support our foundation. Uh, you gotta love technology. Anyway, all right, so enough of that. Guys, I'm telling you, open your hearts open your ears. Uh, I have no idea where this is going to go, but um, I'm just going to surrender it to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you speak through both Crystal and I, and Lord, that we are able to just say the words and go to the place that you want us to go so that the audience um, is able to benefit greatly from this, Lord. So whatever it is that we say, whatever it is that you have come through us, I just ask that you uh, whatever those things are that you bless everyone that's watching and listening right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to broadcast. And yeah, we love you in Jesus' name. All right. I got to be a little bit smoother with this. <laughs> I'm trying new things and now I'm going to be back.
Wrong video. Dad gummit. You think I would have done this 500 times before? Welcome back, everybody. So you think after doing 500 broadcasts that I would have my intro down pat, but I kind of make a habit of butchering something at the beginning, but oh well. Anyway, thank you again for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, it is, absolute, it is my absolute honor to introduce to you as somebody I said earlier is inspires me uh and 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 again i just cannot wait uh to see where this conversation goes ladies and gentlemen please welcome the one the only that i know of crystal Lindsay. what's up my friend how are you what's up so happy to be here thank you for having me here <laughs> i'm so i i butchered the intro and anyway but this listen i I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, like I said, I've been watching your posts and reading them and how heartfelt they are. I love your videos and and then getting to read a little bit more in depth about you. Uh, just so blown away. And I'm so grateful that you just said yes to coming on the show. Did I lose you? There you are. So oh. I... I, I am so happy to be here um, and, you know, uh, we'll see where this conversation goes. I'm completely open and here to share my story. Uh, one of the things that made me say yes to coming on is the fact that, one, you're the mayor of the world. I mean, that's pretty cool. World's mayor, but yes. Yeah, the world's mayor. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. But seriously, being the voice of the voiceless is something that needs to happen. And so often... Um, so many people are out there struggling and forgotten and downtrodden and hurt and abused and neglected, and they don't know where to turn. So um, I'm just happy to be here and excited to share my story and see who else we can help out there. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, the world's mayor, um, it, it's funny, is I love the nickname and I love the mindset of what a mayor is supposed to do. Um, and I, I won't go into the story of why I'm called that. But that said, the point of it is to inspire other people to be the world's mayor. Uh, the basic function of a mayor is to elevate everyone around them. And that is a deep seated passion and desire uh, that I have. And, you know, the voice for the voiceless, again, 
you know, we all really should be, we all should have a cause that we're willing to fight for. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't figure out that side of it until they've been rescued from hell themselves. And in my case, um, I definitely was rescued from hell. So it is, uh, I feel honored to be able to share my testimony the way that I do and to have this opportunity every time. But, you know, looking into you and what you're all about, seems like you're quite the voice for the voiceless too. So before we get into all that, Crystal, what are you grateful for today and why? I am grateful for this noggin right here. What's in here is my brain. And one of the things I'm sure we'll be talking about today on the call is the real scientific impacts of actual childhood abuse on your physical body. And so studies show that if you've answered yes to six out of 10 um, of the adverse childhood experiences, you're on track to die 20 years younger if you don't do something intentional every day. And so I have a perfect 10 out of 10 score and I've been told by people I'm not supposed to be able to think like this. And my brain has got me out of so many situations and allowed me to persevere, change my mindset, set up habits, set up routines, invest in people, help people, care about people. Um, and it is all truly this brain in my noggin. And so I'm, I'm truly grateful for my brain and how it operates. You know what? I'm going to start talking nicer to my brain. Um, I shared mm -hmm. with you before we started that, you know, I have DID. And, but I believe I'm finally at that place now where I can say that I'm healed. Um, and simply it's been, the only reason why I can say that now with some confidence, because I've been fooled before. Um, DID is very sneaky, I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. But in my case, I've, this last few months have been, I felt like I've been getting kicked in the teeth, the stomach, blindsided betrayed. I've, I've had disappointments and mm -hmm. all the things normally that I could go retreat. Like I would just automatically switch without even thinking about it. And that almost like, like this two months, there's been times that I've wished that I would switch mm -hmm. with the exception of how my wife would feel about it. Cause she didn't really like the, who I switched to that any of those alters. Well, a couple of them she likes. All right. But you know, she wants her husband and I want to be there her husband mm -hmm. because the other guys aren't that said or a little i should say boys little boys aren't um with that said i didn't switch and one of the things that i'm realizing now that i'm getting to do is learn how to develop coping mechanisms mm -hmm. i'm about junior high level right now as my wife says so i got some work to do but i have an appreciation for the journey that it takes to heal because it's not easy. And mm -hmm. if you're scoring 10 out of 10, and I'm pretty sure I've never taken that test, but I've got, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would be that right there with you. Mm -hmm. That said, I have an appreciation and a respect for you that you can say that, hey, I'm grateful for my brain because I know me, I hated my brain for most of my life. It mm -hmm. lied to me, it manipulated me, it tricked me. And, and, and it told me things that, well, I don't want to say out loud right now. Mm -hmm. So with that said, let's start from the beginning with you. Like what happened? What was the very first traumatic moment that set you on this path to score 10 out of 10 on the trauma scale to now healing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, my story really begins, um, well, my story can be summed up in one word, rejected. 
Um, I was born to a mother who didn't love me, didn't want me. She had already had two uh, children, two daughters by two other men. And uh, apparently an ultrasound misreading saved my life. And so she told me several times that if she knew I was a girl, she would have aborted me. And so when I came out as a girl, you can imagine to her surprise, uh, that set a trajectory of my life of not being part of the unit, not being able to be held, cuddled. Um, I don't re once remember my mother holding me and saying she loved me or braiding my hair or, you know, all those things that mothers are supposed to do. But yet she did that with my older sisters, you know. And so as that happened, it actually was the greatest gift I could have ever received because I was always an outsider. I knew in my heart of hearts that this wasn't normal and that I, I deserve to be treated better. And where I got those knowings I, is, is gone. But I, there's no other reason where I got that. Um, but I, I remember being on an outside, watching my mother you know, braid my sister's hair and tell her she loved her and not be part of that family unit, so to speak. Um, and that really was the trajectory that started me you know, from a very, very young age. What, so I don't, I don't think I heard you mention your father. Where was your father during all this? So this is a, actually a funny story, right? So um, I used to think that my older sister, uh, my middle sister, was my full-blooded sister. And then one day my mom came and picked me up and she was extra sporadic and crying and driving crazy. And it was this big thing. And then she finally pulled over on the side of the highway and she whipped her head around and she just looked at me and she just unleashed it. You know, and she was like, your father's not your father. Your, your sister's not your sister. Your auntie's not your auntie. Your dad doesn't care about you. You're a piece of, and you're never going to be nothing. And you're this. And then she just like went off on me. And I was like, and I just remember I was like eight or nine. And I just sat there and was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I did what any eight or nine year old would do is I went home to my little bunk bed and I was on the bottom bunk, I remember. And I sat there and I just stared around. I was like, okay, all right, all right, okay. This explains a lot, you know? And I always knew I was different. And so this is, this is good. This is really, really good news. It explains why I'm different. It validates that I'm different, in fact. And furthermore, it means that my dad must be so special because his genes conquered that. And so if that is true, then he must be so special. And so me in, in a childhood fantasy recognized and believed truly with all of my heart that my father was an alien from outer space and that he would one day come down to rescue me and be able to take me away from this terrible, terrible childhood. Do you still believe that now? No. So, but you know, it's funny is I had a reoccurring dream when I was growing up. So it, truly, this is this is how some of the fun facts, and I'll bring you to the current the current time with my dad. Um, so, as a child, after she told me this, I had this dream that you know the attic doors that open and the 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 ladder kind of unfolds out. So I had I this hate dream. So yeah, yeah, but I right? about. yeah, I get I get goosebumps just thinking of it, right? And so the the door opens and the ladder falls out in this reoccurring dream. And my my father, who's an alien, like an like a green outer space alien, is on a motorcycle, and he would drive down the stairs and pick me up and take me away. And so I get goosebumps even right now just thinking of it. And I had this dream for years and years and years. And, you know, he had to come back. He had to come get me, right? You know, and then guess what? Um, the time came at 11 years old. And um, apparently I let somebody else cut my bangs 
and my mother was the only one who was allowed to cut my hair and that set her into a frenzy. And so she, you know, ripped my shirt off of me. She beat me. I was bloody. She attacked me with an ice pick handle. It was, it was a whole thing. And um, in that moment, I ran away and went into the foster care system. Um, shortly after, she took everything I owned in the middle of the night and literally my bike, my books, my, my school stuff, everything I owned, every stitch of things I had, except for the shorts I had on, not literally the shirt off my back she took uh, and, and away she went. And I've only seen her once since then. Once I went into foster care though, they actually found my father. And um, according to my birth certificate though, I'm, I'm a legal bastard. I kind of take pride in that, you know, because my, my father is asterisk, 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 you know, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and so, uh, so now they've somehow found my father, don't know how. And he came in and he was a recovering drug addict who hadn't started recovering. And so that didn't go well. And so we struggled for a long time and there's a whole story about it, but I wrote him six to eight page handwritten letters to tell him how terrible he was and would mail him rocks I'd pick up out of the street. No note, not pretty rocks, but just rocks. I just mail him rocks apparently as a testament to how little I thought of him. And so this went on and on and on. And then we finally, he never missed a graduation. Eighth grade, high school, bachelor's, first master's, second master's, he was always there. And so at the second master's, we had a cry session and I told him everything about how bad he hurt me. And I went down the list and I had a long list. And instead of him recoiling or taking, you know, the stance of why or defending or running or fleeing or yelling, he sat there and he took it and he cried with me and we cried together and I forgave him in that moment. Uh, and it completely changed the trajectory of my life. It, it changed the type of relationships I was having with men. Uh, it allowed me to be healthier and happier. My, I made more money. I mean, like everything in my life changed because of that, because I forgave my father. Uh, and now we're very good friends. I need to call him more, but we used to talk every weekend. Um, I, I still text him almost every day. He texts me a verse, a Bible verse every day. So we do text exchange every day, but um, now he's an incredible man of God. He's been clean about 20 years and had his own, um, uh, he was a contractor, had his own business for probably 15 years. I want to, like, it's, it's, I always hear about with, with women, I always dated women with daddy issues. Mm -hmm. um, never one with mommy issues so much. And I, mm -hmm. I, I can't, I don't know how that worked out. <laughs> like, I don't know why it was always that way, but it was. But it always seemed like for me, I always heard that the mother-daughter relationship was the toughest relationship mm -hmm. of the two. And obviously mm -hmm. they're different relationships entirely. But for you, not really, you have the abusive presence and you know somebody that is mentally, I hate to say mentally ill. I mean, schizophrenia is a legitimate illness. Um, I, and I don't know many people that are able to really thrive with it. Um, I don't know how much they figured out with it. I know mm -hmm. that I personally took that medication or one of the medications for a while when I was misdiagnosed, which made me probably even crazier. Um, my grandmother was schizophrenic. Um, I was just blessed to get DID. <laughs> so which is that had its own complications. But that said, um, I was super close to my mom. And I am a mama's boy, even to this day, I'm 42 years old and I have this amazing relationship with my mother, but it was my father that I hated um, and mm. hated with everything in me. Um, so that said, you didn't really have that parental influence that was positive and loving. 
I was fortunate to have one that never stopped praying for me, never stopped sending me devotionals, even though I would be in the middle of shooting or snorting meth or coke. And, and I'm like, oh, God, here it is, another one. But it was her pursuing me and continuing to be obedient that it kept me from going too far away. For you, you didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So walk me through your the moral compass and just the you know the 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 what your, the upbringing of yourself was like who was really mm -hmm. taking care of you who was providing for you how were you staying sane where you didn't want to mm -hmm. put a bullet in your head and then going into the foster care system well that typically is not necessarily a great thing either i mean mm -hmm. i know there's great foster parents but I unfortunately only hear about the horrors of it. So can you walk us through how you were raising yourself and all of that? Yes. Well, absolutely. So, you know, the, the, I've tried to write a college essay on this to get into college and I, and it sounded terrible and nobody understood me. And it was the first time I realized that what I'm about to share sounds outrageous to me. It made perfect sense. But uh, so I'm a little hesitant to, to kind of share this, but but um, the the game I used to play with myself as a child, as a very young child, I remember, is the points game. And so every single day, your points are erased. But every day you have a chance at more points. And the bigger the obstacle and the harder choice you have to make, the more points you get. And the worse choice you make, the more points you choices you lose or the more points you lose. And so every day I would like literally hear an audible voice in my head and it would say, for one million points, are you going to yell back and punch her in the face or are you going to sit there and take it? You know, you know, for one billion points, can you smile at her as she takes you by your hair up and down the hallways, yelling these terrible things at you? You know, and I would I would hear this audible voice in my head and, and it began I began playing this game. And so this every night I would lay in bed in these terrible situations with no sheets, no pillowcases. I mean, we're talking a drug addict's house, no knickknacks, you know, and, and not no sheet, just one comforter and a, a nasty pillow, you know, on this broke down mattress on the floor with no bedstand. And I just remember laying there in this thinking to myself, OK, I got 100 points because I got out of bed. OK, I got 500 points because I finished my breakfast. I got 1 million points because I didn't flip out on my mother when she said those things. And then I got 10 trillion points because that's, so that's 10 trillion, 1 million and 60 points today. But then I made some bad choices. And so as I would go to sleep every night, every single night, I would count my points as I fell off to sleep. And I remember doing this since as long as I can remember as a child. And so when I, when I was in um, 11 and all this happened and you know, the, my, my mother attacked me and, and I went into the foster care system. Uh, I remember laying in my bunk bed yet again on the bottom bunk at 11 and going, all right, okay, okay, me and me, we're going to be okay. This, I'm, and I decided, and this is the key, this is what I want the world to understand. When I lost everything, every single person in my life, my grandmother disowned me, my family wouldn't talk to me, my sisters ran away, my mother abandoned me, I didn't know who my father was, she took my bike, I can't tell you enough how much that hurt, she took everything I owned, I didn't have anything in this world, and I decided that this was going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. 
I could have decided something else, but I decided that me and me were going to be okay. And I was going to take darn good care of myself. And I was going to show them all what they lost out on. And that was the beginning of what catapulted me through being a year-round scholar athlete, opening my own business, launching a nonprofit, writing a book, traveling the globe, you know, running. Now I run the digital marketing for a, a local agency uh, and, and even working on greater things. But the reason why is because one, I played a game with myself since I can remember and counting points and rewarding myself. I gamified my life. Two, I decided- Before that was even a thing. Wow. Before it was even a thing. Two, I decided that the most terrible thing that happened to me was going to be the best thing that happened to me. And three, I began to systemize and optimize and outsource my decisions so that I was busy. And I've been busy and it's still a habit. It's, it's, it's a disease and a blessing and a curse, but I just stayed busy and I would just, I held myself and then I counted my points. To this day, I count my points. So it's crazy that, but those are the three things that really got me through. I am, so I've made a game out of everything too. No one could punish me because mm -hmm. I mean, and I've been to jail six times and even I found, I mean, be, the last time being in isolation wasn't a lot of fun because that, and I was looking at five years and it was just a completely different situation, but all the other times, and I was scared to death when I was there, but I was just like, I've made a game out of it. Well, my parents couldn't ground me because while well, I would carve in the desk and make stuff and you know i mean i i learned how to gamify also mm -hmm. however it was destructive mm -hmm. <laughs> it was and and all of those voices that would talk to me well i mean i had some that were you know protective in nature but most of them were the way to escape trouble mm -hmm. like i learned how to do that and it makes me wonder like how many people out there watching that have suffered childhood trauma? Mm -hmm. Like, was your experience more like crystals or is it more like mine where it was like you became a deviant or mm -hmm. it was anger and lashing out? But it, I mean, just hearing your, the logic that you had, it's almost like, and I know God is with us, you know, everywhere and God is everywhere, but like it just seemed like you there was a connection with you and god you and the holy spirit you and mm -hmm. jesus from like the jump like he was just yeah. there always talking to you because yeah. what a calming voice that is like mm -hmm. i'm i'm almost jealous of you for that i mean not that i would want to trade lives because i'm so grateful for my life now but that's that's kind of amazing to me yeah well, and now you understand why I'm so grateful for my brain. Yeah, my brain is what saved me as a child long before I understood what the words abuse and neglect, but I experienced it. My brain is what saved me when the most traumatic things happened to me, I decided. And my brain is what allowed me to push through when I wanted to quit because I was working two to three jobs to put myself through college, paying $680 a month where everybody around me was spoiled, rotten, and they're mad because their daddy bought them a 97 Honda instead of 2000. You know, it's like, those are the very real issues. And I wanted to, I wanted to spit on people. I would get so angry. And you talk about like what what kept me from going astray when when I was when I was a teenager. Okay, I remember this very clearly. And I started realizing, you know, I'm like 13, 14, that I'm gonna have to keep up with the general population with nothing and with no one. And I started getting angry. I got really, really pissed. 
And I remember um, God has always been with me, um, but I, I just accepted Christ just maybe 10 years ago. But growing up as, a, as a, a middle schooler and high schooler, I didn't have Christ in my life. And I'd always had God. God's always been on the scene. We, we've been best friends. But uh, I'd like to say I was living under the Old Testament <laughs> where you beg and you plead and you, you, you make deals, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you and you sacrifice not not animals you know for the record but you know what I mean um, so so here I am you know living under the Old Testament essentially and I yelling at God you know like what do you think this is you think this is funny and I I would literally cry out to him you think this is funny you think my life is some kind of joke you want to sit who would do this to a child who would take their parents away and force them into this life would they have to do this on their own who we're not designed for this is this a joke do you think this is funny and that was my my mantra do you think this is a joke do you think this is funny this is a cruel joke and I just go on and on so angry and so around this time my sister's aunt took me in and became my foster mom now, she died 10 days before my high school graduation, and she was the only person who ever cared about me, ever believed in me. And so that was a billion times worse than anything my mother could have done to me. You know, I finally had someone who had my back, and she died of a brain aneurysm while I was at a track meet. And it just, it crippled me. And then guess what? Within two months, I got to go go to college and pay two to three, get two to three jobs and pay $680 a month and keep going. You don't get a break because guess what? My life was some type of cruel joke. So I started getting real, real, real angry around that time, you know, and starting to, and, and I had to figure, and I was still trying to prove my mother wrong. I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I wasn't doing it because mm. I was motivated. I was doing it because I was trying to prove my mother wrong. And that only lasts you so long. You know, eventually that runs out. And eventually I did forgive my mother. And that's a whole nother story, like truly forgave my mother. Mm -hmm. And so then I lost that motivation. But yeah, it it hasn't always been pretty. You know, I I do thank God for my my brain 100 percent. But there's been plenty of times where I've cried out and and been angry at the life I've dealt that I wanted to die that, you know, I can't tell you how many times I drove down the street and I wanted somebody to cross the median and just run into my car and take me out because I was so tired, physically exhausted of this life. And I didn't want to live anymore, you know? And so I've been in that place for 20, 30 years. And just finally, in the last couple of years, I got out of a financial crisis, got a couple bucks in my pocket, bought a townhouse, got a nice car, you know, got a good job, you know, things are going real well for me. Right. So, so it all, it all works out. But I, I say this to say that if you're out there and you're struggling, you know, and you're, you're broke down, you're irritated, you're stressed out, you're angry, you're sad, you're depressed, you, you want to die, whatever it is, I want you to understand this thing very clearly. And that is that you are having a biological problem with your brain. And it is the way your brain is firing in the synapses and the dopamine and the serotonin and all of it. It's a biological problem. You're in a biological state and you have to have a biological solution to snap out of it. Yeah, I want to get into that. So did you manage to avoid? So for me, like sports was my outlet. I tried mm-hmm. soccer. I was too violent. So they like, you need to go to football. Baseball, too violent. You need to go to football. Um, so I went to football. And and that's where, and that was a saving grace for me. And I was a good golfer too, but I threw my clubs and <laughs> which is not really, you know, you don't, you're not supposed to do that on the golf course. But I had a rage problem. But when sports ended for me in college, um, I got hurt playing football, became a college cheerleader. 
I and cheerleading is not was not the same kind of outlet because yelling at your stunt partner doesn't go over very well. That's no. that, that outlet for my rage was gone. Mm-hmm. And so then because I didn't have that release, the nightmares that I was already happened have, having from my childhood and the things that had happened and even some things that happened when I was a little bit older, mm-hmm. those nightmares became so intense that I I couldn't I couldn't really cope with it. And so one drunk night, someone goes, hey, this will sober you up because I had to drive home, which I don't recommend drinking and driving, folks. Not saying that, but I was an idiot college kid. Mm-hmm. Someone goes, hey, this will sober you up. Immediate chem sex addict for me. Like that's how it all happened. And so mm-hmm. drugs and sex became my outlet. And that started a 20-something year really awful problem and crazy addiction that wrecked my life almost killed me multiple times and i lost my sanity my health and family and kids and everything else because of it so i went down that path but it Mm -hmm. seemed but my logical brain was always at war with me like my brain it was always attacking me so that's what i was saying like now i guess Mm -hmm. i can say i'm grateful for my brain Mm -hmm. but you it doesn't sound like you had those kind of issues what was it for you? What was the relief for you from the pain that you were feeling inside, from the trauma you were experiencing as a child? Um, well, I I want to show you one picture that kind of sums it up. Yeah, that wait, you're, that's an offensive lineman. No, I was I was a defensive tackle, right there. Bruce Smith. I was the only girl in the league and that was how I dealt with it. You talk about going to football and taking it out. That's what I did. Um, so I, I was blessed to be able to play basketball, football, and track. Uh, I threw and you go, as you throw it. Oh, I used to be so loud. I just let it rip, you know? And then uh, in basketball, I wanted to be the Shaquilla, the WNBA and just dominate in there in the, in the, the, you know, in the key. And then in football, I just wanted to take them out, you know? And so, yeah, uh, sports absolutely was a physical release that allowed me to shake out of it. And that's why I say, you know, again, if you're having a biological problem, if you're if you're wrung out, whatever that negative emotion is, that's a biological problem. It needs a biological solution. So we stumbled into our biological solution, which was high school sports. You know, I didn't get a play in college. Right. And so when I went to college, all of a sudden I lost this and I quit working out. And so what I ended up doing is in going into a 15 year cycle of abusive relationships, I wound up with three restraining orders. I had a crazy ex-husband, you know, I, and then one was so crazy. I couldn't even do a restraining order on it was so bad, you know? And so it was just back to back. I was a serial monogamist and I would get in these relationships. And and it turns out by the way, and I, I learned this in a class called abuse in the family system, you know, that children of trauma, are more, are likely not even kind of likely they are likely to wind up in this abusive cycle but this is the key they not only wind up with abusive people in their relationship but it winds up in death and so i sat in this class and i listened to this and i just had this guy try to kill me suffocate me with the pillow and break my spine and i threatened to throw myself off the balcony as i kept yelling somebody call 911 for about 15 20 minutes and and so finally somehow i got out of the situation but you know i re- i remember i was like wow no this really results in death it's not like i 
I like got in an argument with somebody. No, I almost died. And it, it just validated that, you know, so for me, it was you talk about that rush. The rush for me was was this abusive cycle of the romance where they come in deep and they swoop you off your feet and they, you know, they buy you things and they tell you everything you want. And it turns out if you don't got a mommy and daddy, you're really looking for that affirmation. Right. And so that I just fell for it every single time. And then then comes the control and the manipulation and the buildup of that pressure. Right. And then all of a sudden, as the abuse, as the person who the victim in it who gets gets abused, you want to take some control. So you poke the dragon because you need to get this out real quick because you feel buildings. You pick a fight, essentially, even though you're not fist fighting. And then and then and then. Right. And so it, it just blossomed and bloomed. And this went on for 15 years, a cycle after a cycle after cycle. And it did not end until I forgave my father. And since I forgave my father, I have not once had an abusive relationship like that. And that's been over 10 years. So I'm telling you this, that was my, you know, you talk about like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mine was abusive men and they were always gorgeous, you know, real pretty, you know, uh, abusive, manipulative, controlling men was my, my drug of choice. I, well, so I, in, in the fear of, uh, in, in the spirit of being, honest here i need to tell you uh because I, I don't hide from anything that i've done but i've mentioned being in jail six times uh two of them were for domestic violence mm -hmm. and um so everything that you're saying it's like now i have the mirror up um mm -hmm. to me and <clears throat> i know what you're talking about and i know and look there men should not ever put their hands on women, um, especially physically at, at all. And even when, when you mention those, those situations where you may lash out because you've held on to a resentment or you're angry and you lash out, it still doesn't excuse the physical mm. response of a man. And that's what would happen. I, I would get triggered. We would be high on cocaine or meth or alcohol or, or not even, not even high, just coming down from the party before and switch and lash out and just get this mm -hmm. blood rage inside mm -hmm. that was uncontrollable. I mean, look, the fact is this, that I should just be technically getting out of uh, prison. And there's multiple other times that I should have gone to jail or prison uh, for the crimes that I committed, the acts, I mean, of all the jail, four of the Four of the six were due to some type of violence and drinking and mm -hmm. fighting, punching a cop and whatever, you know, just all stuff like this. I was out of control in every single way. But I want to I want to tell you this, too. And I want to have this conversation because I think it matters. Um, there's a lot of people that women like I, I, I'm going to tell you my pattern. I want to speak of my, my, my last relationship before. Like I got away and I went through the healing journey and now the Lord has blessed me with an amazing wife and family. And we have a, it's, it's, it's a blessing, but before that was hell. And even after going to jail and I gave my life to the Lord, we ended up getting back together. And one of the problems with that was I was doing the work to heal. And mm -hmm. mind you, my journey was long. She wasn't as committed to the healing journey, but even if she was committed to the healing journey that I was, it would not have made it easy for us to heal because of the resentments. Any little thing could have triggered and re-aggravated the, the crazy. 
And so I want to say this from my perspective, and then I want you to speak on it. Women, ladies, if you're in an abusive relationship, leave. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and especially if your husband or boyfriend has a mental illness like DID or borderline personality or even bipolar disorder. I know there's medications for it, mm -hmm. but distance and time is the only thing that can heal and you can't heal together when you're both wounded. It just, it, and, and when I say there's a difference of going on a healing journey together and being wounded and trying to do it, there's a big difference between the two. I mean, my wife and I have helped each other heal in a lot of ways, but we had to be healed as individuals before we could go into our, our relationship together. So my mm -hmm. point is this. If you're looking at your man and you see that knight in shining armor that you saw when you first got together, you're being gaslit to death. You're being manipulated. You've got a smoke screen on your eyes. And here's the thing. Yeah, there's a good person inside there, but there's a lot of monsters that have buried it. And those, those monsters are sneaky and those monsters know how to lie and manipulate. And the best mm -hmm. thing you can do is leave. And I would say that to anyone um and i know this from my own experience so i, I want to say like i wasn't safe to be around people and that's why i had to isolate for so long and be alone mm. so long to heal before god would even allow someone back in my life mm. so i mean do you have anything to say to that uh, yeah absolutely you know the the first thing is um a very real statistic that I learned when I was in that that abuse in the family system course. And that was the first three months after separation is when 98% of the deaths happen. So just be aware that when you leave, it's not gonna just solve all your problems. Now, I'm, I'm with you. I think they should absolutely leave and I'm gonna get to that and I'm gonna talk about it. But I, ladies, I just want you to understand that it's not like you just get a flip on the bird and walk out the door like you would with somebody who's a healthy, mentally stable person, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm humbled and embarrassed to say, um, I just went through my second divorce and it was to a very kind man. You know, he'd never say a negative word to me. He would never, ever, ever put hands on me. You know, it's just, we were just best friends and that's it. And it was, that's really it, you know, and it, he's a great man. He's just not my man. Now, let me tell you, and I'm going to come back to what I was just saying. When I left him, he didn't go crazy. He didn't stalk me. He even told me, he said, you've had enough, you've had enough um, trauma and, and um, uh, craziness in your life. I'm not going to be that person. And, and that I didn't believe him, honestly, because I, I was waiting for it. You know, it's what I'm used to. Um, and we're still dear friends. And so I, I say that to say that if you're in a healthy relationship and you leave, you get to talk about why and you get to have your, your exit conversation and you get a you know, process and you get to move forward. And you may even remain friends for all I care. But it is a very different situation when you're leaving an abusive relationship. So you need to come up with an actual safety plan. Yeah. And that safety plan is something that I would recommend you work with a professional on uh, where you get to talk. Um, but just the other day, I was talking to somebody I'm mentoring who she also has been through severe trauma and actually suffers with DID. And she was telling me about um, how her husband's not abusive. But then by the end of the conversation, she told me that he had raised his hand to her and he did not hit her, but he did raise his hand to her. And some of the other symptoms 
were coming towards, everything pointed towards the fact that this is going to escalate into abuse. And so what I said to her in that time was, um, do you, like he even had a camera and a mic in the house and could hear her. And so I said, can he hear my side of the conversation right now? And she said, no. And I said, okay, so I want you to answer these questions and I, I want you to be very vague about how you're answering them. I said, first thing, I said, do you have a pen and paper? She said, yes. I said, can you get something that you'd be able to grab when you went out the door? She said, yes. I said, okay, I want you to get that right now. Do you have it in front of you? She's like, yes. I said, okay, can you turn to a page that you'll be able to find? She's like, yes. I said, okay, now what is your zip code? And so she gave me her zip code and I looked up women's uh, shelters with her zip code. Through that, I mean, the, the beauty of, of technology is I got five houses by her and Google reviews actually allows you to ask questions. And so one of the places yeah. had really good reviews. They had photos. And one of the questions said, do you accept women who just walk in off the streets? And it said, yes. And so I was able to give her the phone number, give her the address. I said, don't write down the name of where it is. Um, because when I first when I first left my, my first husband, uh, whoo. And he, he literally would come put my mail under my windshield wiper. So I knew he knew where I lived and then he would stalk me, break into my car and change my radio stations. And it, it was just, it was sick. And so, you know, but that's because he found where I wrote it down. And, and so I, I told her, you know, be very discreet. Don't write it down. Don't say the name, what we're talking about right now. But I want you to know if you are feel like it is about to get um, violent or it does get violent, I want you to take this notebook and all you have to do is get out the door. And ladies, this is the problem. You feel like you want to take everything. You've got memories there and you've got mm -hmm. photos and you've got, you know, your grandma's diamond ring for all I care. Okay. But at the end of the day, you are the only thing that matters. And so having that safety plan, maybe you pack a bag kind of discreetly and you grab that if you can. But at the end of the day, you go. And when you go, you go. And so get that piece of paper, have that safety plan, look up one women's shelter near you, read the reviews in your free time, then clear your cash history. Okay. Cause I've been there too. You know, change the passcode on your phone, go to the, the, the library for all I care, use a friend's phone, have them do it, whatever it is. But set that up and have an address so you have a safety plan. The next thing I want to say to that is you need to get clear on your vision. You know, one of the things that I struggled with was I couldn't imagine myself in, with somebody who loved me. And to this day, I'll be real with you, it's still really hard. I, I find it very hard to feel deserving that to be in a healthy, loving relationship with a man who I now would see as my caliber. I find it, I struggle with this. This is a real thing. So having that vision I literally wrote myself an eight page vision and did a voice memo on my phone. And I listened to it three times a day, at least sometimes six and it's 15 minutes long. And I've listened to it first thing when I wake up and right before I go to bed, but that's because I'm being intentional about my vision. So figure out what your vision is. So know the first three months are the most important that you, that you need to be safe and you need to have a safety plan. Two is you need to have a safety plan. Write down the name and the phone number of where you want to go because you may not have your phone on you where you're going to be able to contact them or research it. Three, get clear on believing you deserve to be able to be free of it. And then four is go through the forgiveness that I did with my father or your mother or your brother or maybe your, your neighbor touched you, whatever it is. I want you to go through that trauma. And the way I forgave my mother uh, was I was able to write the, the, the day she left me and attacked me I wrote it from her perspective and I realized as I wrote it, it was the hardest thing I ever did that I realized as I wrote it, that it at least wasn't easy for her. Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, and, and so those are my talking points is just have that safety plan, have a vision and start on that forgiveness and then exercise every day. Go for it. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, there's two things I want to address men and then I'm going to address women really quick. Men, you can heal. You can. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the most brutal work ever. But the last thing that you need to be in is a relationship or, I mean, to be honest, even your friends can be dangerous when you're going through a healing journey. Um, it took it took me mm -hmm. being isolated and alone with God to let him work on me, to go through the healing journey, also to get to this place where I could be alone with myself and trust myself. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do that until I accepted that God loved me and loved me just the way I was, mentally ill and all. Um, that was a part of it. Then I learned to make loving decisions for myself. And loving decisions meant not jumping in bed or not doing it with a stranger or not doing drugs, not doing those things, not doing all the things that I was doing to aggravate and hurt myself more. And it took time. And I worked to become the man that God created me to be. And I still work on it every day. But then I was able to attract the right woman. I wasn't looking for a woman to be the crutch and to be my sex toy or whatever else it was. I wasn't, I stopped doing that. But on the flip side is this, women, you have, if you don't heal, if you don't take the time to get away, stay out of relationships, stay off Tinder, stay off the distractions of being around other dudes for attention, if you don't take the time to heal, you're going to become prey again. And I want to, I'm speaking from this, from the experience of knowing that even though the Lord has healed me, the instincts that I had to know and be able to sense people's weakness and to know who was hurt, to know who had daddy issues, there's an instinct. And I wish I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if this is for every, some, everybody that's been abused or is an abuser, if they just have that sense that they just know, but it's very, very real. And, and people know when you're hurt. And players, they know how to play. They know how to get in your head. They know how to manipulate. They know how to speak to that soft spot inside of you to wrap you around their fingers. And I know a lot of you want to say, I'm a strong woman, I'm a strong female. And that's great if you really, really are. But if you haven't taken the time to heal, you are setting yourself up to repeat the same cycle all over again. Do you have anything to say to that? I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, um, I, I mean, yeah, I, that's been my my story. You know, it. I was, um, I was prey, and I remember thinking that, like, how do these men know? How do they? How can they? I mean, I look now. People treat me like so silver spoon in the mouth. You know, like I'm I'm kind of affluent, which is pretty cool. You know, it's like I said, I'm in a financial <laughs> crisis for 35 years of my life. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm really quite, quite blessed, but, you know, so they treat me like I'm the silver spoon in the mouth, but yet then at the same time, men can pick me out of a crowd and then, and just know that I've got some, some, like you call it daddy issues. And now I've, I forgave my father. It's actually mother issues, which is way worse, but I, I, you know, they just know ladies and, and what he's talking about is real. And it gave me chills when you're talking about, I've never heard a man admit it, but my whole life, I've just known that they knew. And so, and they do, they tell you what you want to hear and they wrap you around their finger and then they isolate you, you know, through control and manipulation. I had one guy try to take me out of the country where he was going to take me and what he was going to do with me. 
I don't even want to know. Okay. Mm. He was actually married. He had a fake name. He lied to me about his profession. He lied to me about his name. He had a child. He was married with a child and yet he was pretending to marry me so he could take me out of the country on a honeymoon and what he was going to do. I don't want to know. And so I, I say that to say that ladies take the time to heal because if you are looking for that affirmation within you of that you're worthy, I'm going to tell you right now, you're never going to find that from a man. You know, even now when I consider myself to be a healed whole person, I've accepted, you know, Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ into my life. I meditate twice a day for 30 days. I do my doodles. I do 100 burpees before sunrise. I journal every day. I write my goals. I am intentionally grateful. I'm the most optimistic, driven, hardworking person you've ever met. I finish my day with sunset walks. Like I've got goals. I'm going to launch a transformation center. I'm going to be a multi-billionaire. I'm, I'm, I've got I've got things to do. But even now. I'm taking time to heal. You know, it's been about a year since I've left my my ex-husband and, you know, it's, I'm still healing. You know, I met someone just, you know, okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like we're wrapping it up, but I'll, I'll give you some juicy at the end. Okay. So I just went to an entrepreneurship conference and he's probably going to see this video and um, met someone where I was not interested in men. I had no interest in dating. And he just swept me off my feet. And we had this instant chemistry. He's everything I ever want. Just like, I could just sit there and watch him eat a steak all day and just be like, oh my goodness, okay. And uh, you know, all of this to say, and so he's smart, he's driven, he runs this big business, he's athletic, he's funny, he's insightful, he thinks I'm great, you know, all these things. And within two weeks, let me tell you ladies, he told me that the girl he was dating that said he didn't want to date anymore popped up and he wanted to see her instead. So I'm going to tell you right now, ladies, I, that was a realization that I was like, I'm, I got to pull back, you know? And so again, don't fall into the serial monogamy that leads to these abusive relationships. I don't think he's abusive at all. I think he'd be a great mate. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it was a trigger for me to realize that I'm not ready you know, and that I need to focus on me. So if you're in this cycle of this, you know, again, it took me 15 years. If you're in this cycle of back-to-back -back abusive relationships, you need to stop looking for affirmation among men and look for forgiveness, accept Holy Spirit, start building daily practices that build up your self-worth, surround yourself with friends, with people who care about you, start journaling intentionally, write letters to your younger self and your older self, and take the time to heal because that is how you heal it will not ever come from a man oh that that's a hundred percent true and another thing too i'm giving away all my secrets but i'm married happily married and i don't care anymore um and i'm trying i'm gonna do everything i'm gonna work every day of my life to reverse the damage that i've done i've got my I have my oldest daughter i've got two young daughters now and like i'm not gonna be that i'm not that guy anymore mm -hmm. but the other thing i want to tell you and, and sometimes I know women will take a flyer on somebody. Yeah, they've been a bad boy, and but they're doing all the right things now. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. But if a man will not respect your boundaries, you got to get rid of them. And if he penetrates you, if, if you allow him to, if you say no to something one day, and he pushes again, and then you give in and say yes, you've compromised your, your, your boundaries. Mm -hmm. And once that's, once you've done that, what you've set yourself up for is a wild ride because mm -hmm. then they're going to push. And if you give an inch, a man will take a mile. But if he respects your boundaries that you set, and it's up to you what those boundaries are, 
It's up to you. You have to decide that. But that will come from loving yourself enough to say, this is my no. These are the things that are no, you know, these are the deal breakers. These are the mm -hmm. non-negotiables. Don't let him break that. And the one thing I am mm -hmm. so grateful because I tried for about a year and a half with my with my wife. And it was like all oh, little stuff, not, not even big, but it was little stuff. And she's never once let me penetrate her boundaries. And we have, our relationship is solid, it's healthy. And, and it's, and it's, and look, we're both very strong personality, mm -hmm. which normally wouldn't be good for someone with my past, but the boundaries have always remained what they are and I don't cross them. And that's key. And, and men, if you really mm -hmm. love and respect this woman that you're pursuing, respect her damn boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, there's no greater way to show respect than respecting someone's boundaries. Beautiful. And um, yeah, and um, I did not give my mind, body or soul to him. That was a boundary. Um, so uh, that that is very good and validating in my choice. And ladies, it's because I didn't that I was able to walk away and heartbroken to this day. I'm just I'm I'm holding my head up high here working. But boy, I'm not even going to lie. It's, it, it breaks my heart. But I held a boundary and I held true. And through that, I find self-worth and dignity, and I'm able to move forward with my life. And I will find someone who cherishes and respects me, but only after I find myself worthy of that. And I have to do the work to find that. I feel led to say this, and I I, I believe that this is from God. I This doesn't happen that often, but he's going to find you. Your empire that you're building is bigger than what you know. I know you're, of course, I, I know you write your vision out. You're talking about me being a multi-billionaire. I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. um, but he's going to find you and he's going to compliment you. And he's also going to be the missing piece mm -hmm. to what you're building that will make you a multi-billionaire. Mm -hmm. So I, maybe mm -hmm. that speaks to you. Maybe it'll speak to you in three weeks or a month. I don't know. But I really, I feel that in my spirit um, that that's the case. He's going to find you. Thank you. So I'm, I'm, I'm go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm I'm six foot uh, and a strong willed, educated, smart, driven woman. Uh, it, it there's an elite group of men out there. <laughs> yes, there is. There <laughs> Sorry, are. Anyways, but no, I, I receive your words. Thank you so much. And there and there and there are real men out there. And, Thank you. you know, and, and here's the thing. And there's a lot of men that are going to watch this. They're like, man, she's gorgeous and she's this and she's that. You got be a man. You're like, be a man. And there's one thing I've learned in my own healing journey and just now mentoring other men. There's a lot of little boys trapped in men's bodies. And the most one of the one of the surefire ways, men, for you to get the woman that you want is to start with being honest. And I mean, honest about like no secrets, just be honest. Mm -hmm. Creating that habit early in a relationship, because I know men like to, you know, ego gets involved and. You want to show off your toys and all that stuff, but your toys and like your big trucks and your big boats and all those things that look great. But if you put them all on credit and you're about to be bankrupt, <laughs> come on. So yeah. be a man first. Be the man that God created you to be first before you'll ever get the queen that God has for you. Mm -hmm. And that's key because women like Crystal 
women like my wife, they're not, they're not in the business of raising boys to become men unless if it came out of them. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what they want. And so I want to say that because a lot of men try to cheat the system and jump ahead. It never works out the way you think it will. So, Crystal, I am uh, honored for your time. I, I appreciate your courage to share your message. Um, I appreciate you creating the space just for me to be honest. Of course, that's kind of the nature of what I do is I just I'm honest about the, the what uh, really I'm just honest now. <laughs> so and I don't feel it's appropriate for me to ignore the fact that you are you know, shared what you shared and me not share it. So I'm glad that you, you, you were open and you were vulnerable uh, mm -hmm. to share that. And, and I pray that this was healing for, for people out there. I hope it was a wake up call for men and women alike. So I'm grateful for you. Um, please tell the audience where they can follow your journey. And if you have anything you want to promote courses, books, anything like that at all, feel free to promote everything you want. Sure. Um, so I am Crystal J. Lindsay, and you can follow me um, on social, but go, you can also uh, go to my website, which is crystaljlindsay.com, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, letter J, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y.com. Uh, you're going to be able to find my book, Grit and Gratitude, the former foster youth's playbook for adulting. Uh, you'll see some of the other books and best-selling books I've been featured in. I've got three more coming up, the David and Goliath series. Uh, so stay tuned for that. That'll drop in April. I am rebranding myself as the Grateful Marketer. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. So I am thrilled to be launching uh, masterminds and training series and doing sales and marketing training. Um, you can go ahead and follow me at Grateful Marketer on Instagram and at Grateful Marketer on Facebook. Uh, I do burpees, 100 burpees every day. I'm starting to go live. I just did 333 burpees live on Sunday. Uh, so if you want some inspirational content that's going to uplift you and put you in a peak state, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to grow a business, you want to learn how to market, whatever it is, follow me and I'm going to be able to help you get there. Um, I also have a at Crystal J. Lindsay Facebook page. I'm also an artist. I do acrylic pours. Um, and so you can see some of my artwork there as well. Um, so I, I I like to keep myself busy, like I said. So stay tuned. Join me on this journey. Crystal J. Lindsay, the Grateful Marketer. You need a QR code. It's true. <laughs> it's, you know I, what? I'm, I'm, I'm so writing it down. Excited. I'm getting one. I don't like to. So in all of my other broadcasts, when I like go through this spiel with all of our sponsors, I'm like, this is boring for the listeners. They don't care. It's so <laughs> My wife made a short video that just goes here. Skew the, if you want to learn about it, go scan the code. There's all of it. It's right there for you. Um, you're awesome. And anything that we can do to support you in your journey, uh, please never hesitate to reach out. I think you're incredible. I'm rooting for you, cheering for you. Absolutely. God bless you, Crystal. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking to you soon. God bless you as well. And thank you, everybody who watched. May you stay safe happy and well. And remember, you get to control how you react. And the only way you can do that is by putting yourself in a peak state. So if you're not in a peak state, it's a biological problem, then he's a biological solution. And if you don't solve that problem, you are on track to die an early death if you suffered from childhood trauma. So fight for your life like you're training for the Olympics. 
You matter. You're here for a purpose and you are meant to thrive. So put yourself in a peak state by having daily habits and take your life seriously. Thank you so much. You're awesome. See you soon. Thank you. Man, she's cool. I didn't know we were going to go that direction. <sighs> listen, um, I stay, what she said, yeah, listen to it. And look, there's a lot of there's a lot of people in abusive relationships. And even though men have no right to put their hands on women, men suffer abuse too. I mean, there's sexual abuse, there's physical abuse, there's verbal abuse. Love yourself enough to walk away. Love yourself enough to keep your boundaries. You are not, God didn't create you to be treated like a dog, an, an, an abused dog. You are made in the image of God and you should be treated accordingly. So thank you so much everyone for watching. If you felt that uh, you know this impacted you, please share it out with friends. Whether you're watching on the network, there's a shareable button there. If you're watching on social, tag a friend, share. Um, but thank you again for your support. God bless you and please go support Crystal. Uh, absolutely incredible human being. God bless you. <laughs>